We'll start the show in just a minute, but first, a word from our premier brand sponsor, Casago. Casago's founder, Steve Schwab, has been quoted as saying, you can only be a local in one place. This simple yet profound statement is the basis of Casago's franchise model, which allows locally owned vacation rental management companies the ability to compete at a national level by leveraging the system, software, and support, the buying power of a much larger organization. As a Casago franchisee, you have the freedom to run your business with the support of a community of like-minded professionals while leveraging the economies of scale and buying power to increase profitability and reduce operating costs. Visit casago.com forward slash franchise for more information. Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. With more than 35 years combined industry experience, Alex Huesner and Annie Holcomb have teamed up to connect the dots between inspiration and opportunity, seeking to find the one story, idea, strategy, or decision that led to their guest's big aha moment. Join them as they highlight the real stories behind the people and brands that have built vacation rentals into the $100 billion industry it is today. And now it's time to get real and have some fun with your hosts, Alex and Annie. Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. I'm Alex. And today I am joined by Veronica Romney. Veronica, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We're super excited to have you here. Annie was not able to join us today, everybody, but Veronica has come on the show. And just to give a little bit of a backstory before we jump in, Veronica, Veronica and I met, we've established over a decade ago. <laughs> And it's crazy that we've somehow recrossed paths all these yeah. years later. But Veronica actually was worked for a company back in the day mm-hmm. that at Condo World we mm-hmm. utilized for our digital ads. And I always remember mm-hmm. I, I really looked forward to our calls. I think you and I just clicked and yeah. we stayed in touch and then didn't hear from each other for a long time. And then just in the last few months have reconnected. But yeah. super excited to have you. And I think just for our audience this is a little bit of a different episode, guys. This is, we're going to talk about a lot of things, marketing yep. and leadership. And uh, Veronica is just a, a superstar. So can you give our audience just a little bit of sure. um, history of your experience? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we met as baby marketers, but we both look great 10 years <laughs> later. So <laughs> that's what I would like to say. But yeah, no, I've been a marketing vet for over 15 years now. I've never strayed from this relationship. <laughs> My husband <laughs> knows it's fully known anyways. But yeah, I've, I have been in the marketing world for a really long time. I've seen it from almost every angle, every industry that you can imagine. I love marketing. I love the ethical persuasion of getting somebody to take a bet on themselves by the purchase of a service and offer or whatever. And to me, it's intoxicating. I watch the Super Bowl more for the commercials than I do even the game. Very here for the whole Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey situation. That's like totally. marketing gold. <laughs> um, but I also am a huge lover of rentals. So I have two long-term rentals and then I have a short-term beach rental that I use my marketing know-how to also then market my own properties. When I'm not doing the rentals, I am helping other marketers level up through my programs. And so my tagline is elevating marketing leaders inside and out. That's me. I, I love it. And you market yourself very well. <laughs> There's something to be said about that. I was actually just on your podcast uh, yes. earlier this week. And it's interesting, the topics that that we covered and as I've done more research on what you are currently doing in your line of work, mm-hmm. it makes sense. And I think you 
I can very much tell by listening to your podcast and seeing your programs that you work with people to elevate their thought leadership and to bring people beyond just what their title is. You had a great line in the show the other day of your gravestone is not going to have your title on it. Yeah. And I think that's really important for people to everybody knows that's, not, that's of course, that's not going to be the case. But yeah. as you're progressing through your career journey, really looking at how you bring tangible value to the table that is recognized by the people that you work with and is allowing you to be fulfilled in your happiness mm -hmm. and just creating a, a journey that is about you as a marketing leader or a leader in whichever career it is, yeah. that it, it transcends the, the role and the company that you're with. It's really interesting because marketers, we're so good at marketing things. We're yeah. really good at bringing products to the marketplace for purchase and for consumption consideration. That's the job, right? Mm -hmm. But we are our own products. I am a yeah. product. I am a brand. I am the funnel. I too am an asset that deserves a great label on the jar. Yeah, but we. It's very difficult to transfer the skill of marketing for others to marketing sell. Yep. Because the little mind gremlins start to tell us, like, who am I to do this? And there's the imposter right. syndrome and the lack of self-confidence. And so, like, my journey in being unapologetically myself and owning the brand that I am has not come that easy. Because in, in, there's pricing yourself. Let's use that as an example. Pricing yeah. yourself will feel like a form of prostitution. It's really uncomfortable. You're like, yeah. Oh, no. when, how much do you charge? And like immediately you start sweating. You're like, I don't, I don't, whatever I don't know. Whatever you think is fair. <laughs> so yeah, like it takes a lot of gumption and coaching and love. Like it just needs that level of support. But we as human beings, we are our number one asset. We are the thing that makes the difference. And yeah. it's not what somebody calls us or even what you call yourself that defines us. And I think that's a big paradigm shift that I'm hoping more marketers that I can show them how to do that. Yeah, I love that. And one thing that I run into a lot or that I have people come up to me and ask about is whether you're a marketer or any job, really, that if you want to start building your personal brand, a lot of people don't feel comfortable doing that within the walls of the company that they work yes. for. And yes. even to the point that they do not post on LinkedIn, they don't comment on things on LinkedIn, and they feel like they're being you know, scrutinized by the companies mm -hmm. that they work for. And in some cases, I guess there are some companies that are like that, but at mm -hmm. the same time, you really need to find that balance between how you can be expressing your voice because that, I say this to people all the time, I grew my career on LinkedIn, literally just from being visible mm -hmm. and having these conversations. And then it's all these opportunities come to you. So what would be your advice to somebody that's in that position that they want to start branching out, but they feel like they are going to be scrutinized by yeah. their employer if they do. Okay, so many things here. So I didn't even realize how fearful people were to put themselves out there until yeah. when I was chief of staff at Boss Babe. I remember our, at the time, she was like our lead writer, Cheyenne. She came up to me and she wanted to schedule one-on-one -on -one and she wouldn't tell me what it was for. I'm like, oh no, like she's going <laughs> to, like, what, what, she quitting? They start panicking. Right. So gifted. One of my best hires ever. Really fought for her. And she scheduled a meeting to ask me whether or not she could have an Instagram account. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Not even, I'm not, she's not even talking about like a professional, like a personal Instagram account. And I'm like, did we ever give you the impression that you were, Boss Babe is literally known for our Instagram account. There's more. Yeah, that doesn't like, make sense. Yeah. What's, so immediately the ask cued to me that something, there's some narrative playing on the inside. 
that she's anxious about. And so she's, I'm just worried that if I have an Instagram account, that this would be misconstrued or misinterpreted that I wasn't fully committed to bo- to boss babe. And I was like, yeah. okay. So then I, but you ha- like when you have these meetings with your staff, like you have to decide who shows up. Is Are you going to be the warm, yeah. like, more feminine energy? Or do you, depending on the topic, is it more, okay, we're going to need to have more of an enforcing conversation versus a warm and open conversation. So with her, I knew it was like warm and tender. Hey course you can have your own social media yeah. accounts like that it's not a conflict of interest there's nothing in your agreement that says you can't yeah so anyways into that conversation but that was like a really big wake-up call to me that people are, are just even fearful of having a level of presence yeah or any level of visibility now i did not have that same situation but also my personality that it tracks <laughs> so yeah. i had social media accounts and i was getting out there when I was fully employed at Entrada, and I'll never forget the director of client services, like basically start running his mouth and saying, look what she's doing, how serious. Yeah. And I was also one of the, before COVID, I was one of the early employees who was working remote full-time, had gone Okay. And the company yeah. was not a big fan of remote workers at the time because mm-hmm. they had this like 20,000 square foot or more facility. So I had gotten special permission to move my family to Florida and continue working in a director capacity, which was like a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so then here I am visible on social media, these cool things in my local community because I was part of the Chamber of Commerce and I was teaching yeah. and I was teaching at FA. Like here I am doing some cool stuff. And it was a if it was a fellow director who started running his mouth and started seeding yep. some seeds of doubt with our mutual manager. Yep. So not to say that won't happen or could happen. So let's just put that out there. If it's a fear, maybe it's valid. Maybe it's not. For me, it was. And it was validated that somebody actually did start running their mouth. But I'm also not going to not be integral. And so like when I knew this was happening, I wanted to have a conversation with this manager. Hey, it's come to my attention that so-and-so was sharing this in a negative tone. Do you feel the same way? Is there anything that I can address for you to make sure that you don't have the wrong interpretation? Because I am fully dedicated to this role and I have the receipts. Like my performance is stellar. My team is doing exceptional. We're having 20% year over year growth. Is there any concern that you have? Because I would love to discuss Mm -hmm. it directly. Yeah. And I remember asking you on my podcast, did you bring up the pod? Did you proactively bring up your own branding efforts so that it wasn't this weird, unspoken elephant in the room? Because that's what causes a lot of the unnecessary drama more than anything else is just not even talking about it. Right. But I saw the statistic that I think you'll love. It was 82% of Americans will think positively on a brand or company when its leaders have their own thought leadership and online presence. Yeah. Yeah. So I, this paradigm or this belief, this conventional wisdom, this belief that says, oh, if I have a personal brand, it's going to be a negative reflection or a distraction. And my employer or my clients, let's say you're a fractional marketer, your clients will think that I'm not dedicating the time to them like I am my own stuff. Mm -hmm. The opposite There's no greater equalizer in a professional relationship than two people that have equal worth. And Mm -hmm. if you want to show up, then you show up in all the ways, not just in one capacity. So to me, I just think this is a a misbelief. Yeah, there's so much there that I completely agree with. And I think, you know, the companies that are doing really well in any sector, they do have those visible leaders, visible experts. And 
there, there's just something to that. There's, and really what it comes down to, I think, is trust. And mm. people do business with people they know and trust. Exactly. And they're not doing business with you because they like your logo or what your About Us page says exactly. on your website. They're doing it because they know you. Mm-hmm. And I've seen even in this role, you know, where I'm at now at Casago, reaching out to companies as we're looking at these new markets. If I don't know somebody, it's obviously it's a lot harder to get in with companies that just don't know you at all. But when yes. you, if they've heard of you and they've listened to your podcast or yep. they follow you on LinkedIn, they're, they always respond because mm-hmm. uh, they're curious what you're up to and, and why you'll be reaching out. I think sometimes you get to see the benefits of these things and these seeds that you've planted well down the line of when you're actually doing them. But it's, yeah, it's super. And then not again, I've, I'm a grown woman. I've moved on, but back to that director of client services. (laughs) (laughs) So the irony was, because this is how this works. When somebody's chirping, it's usually a reflection of their own insecurity. Yeah. So like, I'm not insecure in this arena. I have a lot to share and I am confident on a microphone or I'm, I like being on stage. Like to me, it's just teaching, like scalable teaching. I love to teach. I really feed off the energy of the room. And we all as directors would have opportunities to speak at our company's summit, their annual event that they would host. And then we as employees or leaders in the organization, we would get to be have a panel or a session at the event. And public speaking was like his worst nemesis, like shaky, sweaty, all the things. And it was not for me. And like when I was talking to my manager about if he had any concerns, he's no, as long as if you're telling me that you're like one foot out the door, yeah, I have a concern. But if you're genuinely happy, we're happy with you. And every time you get on stage, our clients love it. Again, you also have to have receipts of performance. It's going to be very difficult for you to defend external efforts. Mm-hmm. when you're not killing it internally. Let's yeah. just also call spade. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Now, I want to dive into some of your career history because I think this is okay. super interesting. <laughs> you've, you've worked with incredible people. When I say you're a global superstar, I mean it. You've worked with Tony Robbins, Pete Vargas, Dean yeah. Gra- Grazia- Graziosi. Graziani, mm-hmm. Graziosi. These are major influencers and chief of staff for Boss Babe, which mm-hmm. I've followed Boss Babe for a long time. And you said something earlier that made me think of one of my favorite quotes that a Boss Babe is unapologi- unapolo- unapologetically ambitious. ambitious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's 100%. I think that's you and that's me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how did you get involved with those big celebrities? And yeah, then, it's wild. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's wild because it's not like I hunted them down or I sought it out or I, that was on my vision board to like work with these people. It wasn't. I left corporate because I had started a market. Sienna had taken off, right? So I was like, I was torn between the two. And so I chose the agency. I also had two little boys. I, st- I started centering my life around my family as opposed to like when you're unattached, yeah. you can do whatever you want selfishly. But the agency, oh my gosh, it is also probably the one of the most intense periods of professional burnout was running an agency and being a service provider for clients. And that like, was your own agency, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I did it with my husband, which is a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. Oh yeah. That's tr- we, I forgot about that too, because my <laughs> husband and I, we've worked together over the years. <laughs> I forgot we had that in common. Yeah. yeah it's, that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. Oh but, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> So we sold it after a couple of years because I just couldn't take it anymore. I'm like, I still love marketing. I just don't want to render or work this art in this manner anymore. Yeah. And so when I left or when I we sold the agency, part of us getting a ton of clients for the agency was public speaking. 
I'd go and pitch myself to marketing conferences. I'd go get do these nerdy talks on whatever. And then clients would want to hire us for services, which makes mm-hmm. sense. So when I left, it was also the same time that Tony and Dean had just, they just came into partnership together and they were releasing to the world for the first time KBB, which is like the knowledge business blueprint, which is how to monetize your knowledge. Okay. Like, interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'm no longer rendering cool. services, but I have marketing knowledge. I want yeah. to monetize this. That's not service providing. And so I bought into the program. It was record break. We broke the internet very now. It's it's so broish. But anyways, it was very (laughs) over the top. Like over I'm almost close to a million people read. It was wild. Wow. So I got in and then within a couple, I don't even know, 30, 60, 90 days, they went into the group of buyers. So now we're customers and they said, Hey, we want to put together an elite speaking team to bring the message further because Tony and I don't have the capacity. To yeah. like speak on all the stages that are afforded to us. We want to put together a speaking team that can represent us on stage. Would you like mm-hmm. to apply? I'm like, hell to the yes. <laughs> so it was like 500, 600 applicants and I made it to the top five and got, and got selected. Wow. Wow. But that's how that I got in there. And then it was Pete Vargas who they had hired to basically construct the speaking team because that's his Yeah. Special. Yeah. COVID happened, then I worked for P and then I stopped working for P and then I worked for Boss Babe. So I somehow jumped into this online personal brand stuff mm-hmm. representing these over-the-top personalities on the internet. That's incredible. What's the most fulfilling part of it? And I say that from a perspective of you and I have both worked in offices yes. and in larger companies. And now I'm in that position of I work from home, I travel mm-hmm. a lot and I get to see parts of our team every one to two months, I'd say. But for the most part, I'm working at home. And I think it's easy to feel disconnected working from home. I think it's easy to sometimes forget about or feel as connected to your purpose and where that fulfillment is. But I'm curious for you, like, how do you and how do you coach people and still making sure that despite your environment, you're getting that level that you need to feel comfortable? Yeah, it is. It's the remote work revolution right now. Everybody (laughs) wants to work from home. Everybody's kicking and screaming. Nobody wants to go back to the office. So here we are. And you're right. I'm talking to you. You're like the second person I talk to all day. Yeah, exactly. Same. Like, I yeah. feel like I can. The, Except for my like, two dogs on the couch. Yeah, over there. the dog. I have a, <laughs> yeah, I have a little Kaya too. But it feels like a, I saw a comedian on stage one day where he was talking about, he like the show started at nine o'clock at night. He's like, you guys are the first people I've spoken to all day. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. sometimes it feels like that when you're working from your home, like there's a, a ton of conveniences, but there's a lot of isolation and loneliness in yeah. this kind of padded room experience. So you have to be extremely intentional about putting yourself out there and like making time for Zoom dates, making time for virtual connection. I have a really, actually, she's one of the coaches in my program, Mary Zarnecki. She's like a walking MBA. She's (laughs) amazing. She does these wine mixers. She'll bring people remote from all the most random women from all over the world. And we get on a Zoom call and then she'll teach us about wine because her husband owns a restaurant in Oregon. I love that. And then everybody's supposed to bring their own beverage of choice and explain why they chose it. And she's just, we're just talking about something that we all share in common on Zoom and it's in pajamas. And it's just, I don't know. I really appreciate the creativity yeah. that I see out there with Zoom. And for me, when I was doing all of the coaching for Tony and Dean, 
one of my favorite stories because Tony was so anti-Zoom. He was the in-person, <laughs> all-in, immersive yeah. guy. The physicality of feeding off each other. He makes energy. you walk across fire. Oh, dude, if you can't do that on Zoom. <laughs> he, for him, moving to anything virtual, he kicked and screamed until like they were losing so much money. They had to yeah. do something. And then he goes over the top and then has a personal relationship with the Zoom owner. Now it's 80,000 people on Zoom just for <laughs> That's Tony, right? Yeah. But the cool yeah. thing with Zoom that you would never have in person. So let's this was this absolutely happened. He picks on people in the yeah. audience who he feels called to pick on. They're not pre-planned. Mm-hmm. So he picked this young woman and come to find out her story was she had stage four cancer mm-hmm. and was in the process of trying to beat it. And so we're all getting everybody at the 80,000. We're all emotional. And then so what on camera is she has a puppy, our little dog in the room. And she's crying, telling her story, and the animal comes up and just starts soothing her. Oh, yeah. And so Tony goes, I never would have. He's like, this is so beautiful to see. And you, he's with Zoom, I get a, a glimpse into somebody's personal life that I never had before. Yeah. And so there's more empathy. There's more understanding to people's circumstances because I'm not drawing them into my environment. I'm now coming into their homes, their environment. So I'm like, that's a really cool way of looking at it. Yeah. It's a different perspective that I thought was really interesting. Yeah, and that is really interesting. I've never been to one of Tony Robbins' <laughs> in-person sessions, but I've watched you know, some of the virtual ones and the recorded ones, and it's definitely on a bucket list that I would love to go see. In person? See but yeah, and, but I do, I definitely remember, I think there's actually like a Netflix documentary that I watched mm-hmm. about him. I'm not your and guru. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was great. And it he calls people out from the audience and yep. just like you said, like starts having these conversations and then it almost always ends up that it's something like that, that they either have cancer or there's something oh, yeah. really serious Broken. that they have going on. Yeah. And like he transforms them right <laughs> in front of the audience and yeah. has these breakthrough moments. And it's just, it's captivating, but really amazing. So I want to, next we're going to switch gears a little okay. bit. So this is super interesting that you, not <laughs> only all these amazing things you've done, but you also are in short-term rentals of your own now. And actually I, I'm back up for a second because yeah, I think when I, maybe when I looked you up again on LinkedIn sure. this year was after I heard you on Sarah and Annette's yes. podcast, the thanks for visiting. Yeah. I remember, I'll never, I, I remember what I was doing when I listened to it. I was in Miami and getting ready in the morning. I turn on the podcast. And I'm like, Veronica, wrong. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. She She's everywhere. Yeah. And super interesting to hear. So tell us a little bit about that journey and, and what being a short-term rental host has been like. You know what? Honestly, owning properties is like the same experience in my career. I didn't I didn't pick this path picked me. No, it's basically like we owned a townhouse and then we wanted to buy another place. But instead of selling the townhouse, we're like, let's convert it into a rental. So we just did yeah. that a couple different. And next thing we have a trail of rentals, but they start off as primary dwellings. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> So that's how it actually started between me and my husband just coming up in our 20s and all the things. But we do now have a short-term beachfront rental in Topsail, North Carolina called the Sea Glass Lookout. It is my happiest place in the world, but it was also a very selfish purchase. Like we bought (laughs) it for us to use as a family. And it also, when we're not using it, because the kids have school and stuff and I but when we're not using it, we rent it out on Airbnb. And yeah. so here we are. Now we have long-term assets and we also have a short-term beach rental. <laughs> yeah. And I think the story you told on mm-hmm. Sarah and Annette's podcast was interesting too, because I think you looked at some of the 
legacy companies in the area to see oh, yes. they would rent it. And you quickly realize you're like, yes. they're doing this so archaic. archaic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What were some of the things that you saw as you oh, looked at the terrible. Place? So when we bought it, it was already in a property management's hands and it already had $80,000 worth of bookings. So like we couldn't even use the asset personally for months because it was already booked out through the summer and we had purchased yep. it in early spring. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, great. This is like one of the top two property management companies on the island. They've been around forever and they've already been managing this property. So it's, and it booked. So yeah. as far as I know, vanity metrics wise, like this is easy. We're walking Seemed into good. a winning situation. <laughs> yeah. And then when I got there, the home was being so badly maintained and cared for. I'm like, what the hell? Maybe your former owner didn't really care about the longevity of this home and like just wanted it to just burn cash and just go. Yeah. I am not. We double dip. This is our personal family vacation. And also I care about it, damn it. So let's not just run it to the ground and not care about it. Yeah. That's not how they ran stuff. (laughs) <laughs> and so immediately there was a clash of values. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the problem was when I was like, okay, this isn't going to work. This is where this is not a great win kind of relationship. So now it's time for me to find a different property management uh, company to maintain our home. Everybody was extremely averse to modern platforms or even modern technology. I'm like, shit, just do it for yourselves. Even yeah. if you don't want to play the Airbnb game. What are you doing to update your software, your platform, your technology? Because just even their infrastructure was archaic. Mm -hmm. Like the booking system. What is this? The blockbuster? Even if we didn't want to play the game, which I understand, but like they as a company were not innovative. They were not trying to. And I'm like a true millennial over here. I'm like, what? And I worked at a software company. So we like. We innovate and we advance our products and our offerings internally before we then market it to the marketplace. And so I was just like mind blown. And so it took me finding a very small kind of boutique property management group that has less than 100 assets to like beg them to take me on in this hybrid model. Yeah. I would do all the marketing with the process. Okay. Yeah, and they yeah. would be the on-site staff when yep. there was needs that I couldn't provide being hours away. So the, they do the maintenance, they do yes. the housekeeping, Inspector, the linens, yep, the inspection, yep. the house cleaning. If there's a, an issue that needs an order, yeah, that kind of yep. stuff. And I see that a lot in different areas that we go to. That I think that hybrid model is it's catching on, and there's definitely complexities to it. I, I think in previous years, I've seen companies that have tried to do both, both the full service and Mm -hmm. the cart type services. It can be operationally complicated to separate. Oh yeah, they don't love it that way. (laughs) Yeah, it's tough. But I think, but some companies, I think people are getting, companies are getting more sophisticated with it. And that really comes down to having better tech that's able to keep track of which properties are on which program. 100%. 100%. Yeah. You'll love this. Yeah. So they try to break up with me. Because <laughs> they're like, because they, so I think they were like, listen, we're going to put platforms and you also have permission. You can do whatever you want on Airbnb. And they, I think they had a lot of confidence that they would get, because they'll get a higher percentage if they book it versus if I book it through Airbnb. Yeah. yeah. And I slaughtered them. Like, <laughs> so like wow. 90% wow. of our bookings are coming from my marketing efforts. Shocker to no one if I'm a 15 year marketing vet. And very little is coming from them. And so it hasn't really been as lucrative for them. 
So they wanted to break up with me because it wasn't nearly as profitable yeah. as somebody that didn't do anything that I was doing on my side. Yeah. And I push back. I'm like, listen, I get that I am not the most profitable asset in your portfolio. However, you can't tell me that your team's not watching me and learning from my marketing efforts. So <laughs> yeah, I literally that. said that. Yeah. I'm like, if you want me to come in and do a training, if you want me to do da, 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 like I you there's more to gain from me than just what's on paper. And so right. they kept me. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. No, that was not on the podcast with Sarah and Annette. That actually happened after I recorded that boss, that podcast. That's so, that's so funny. And mm-hmm. okay, so I've got a lot of questions now. Okay. So, <laughs> this is fun. Um, so, okay, the company, and we don't need to say who they are, but the sure, company sure. that was doing this, did they? you said that you're doing 90% of the business. Are yeah. they, do they have a lot of guest history? Do they have names and emails that they're marketing your property oh, to? Yeah. I'm surprised mm, that they yes. can't get more than... That they're only getting 10% of the share. Are you doing different pricing on Airbnb than they are? Nope. Or like, is no, there no, no. any difference? No, we co-host on Airbnb. So all yeah. the, so they have full transparency into okay. every single yeah. communication, every canned message I send, anything and everything. Yeah. But I am a pretty effective marketer. So yes, Airbnb is like the system in which I push traffic towards versus their platform. Yeah. And yes, they have a huge email list of local people that have rented from them. Yeah. But I'm quicker on the draw. And so yeah. the very first thing I did when I got the property is I made its own website. So like mm-hmm. cglasslookout.com immediately. Then yeah. I got, I had an, I had a former Instagram account that already had 10,000 followers for my agency that I still had, but I, I wasn't using it. So yeah. I converted it over to the property's Instagram. Yep. So it Beautiful. already had 10,000 followers. And it's a property. So like aesthetically, it's, whoa, wait a minute. Wow. Yeah. Popular. But it's just because I, it was it was an Instagram account I already had. That I just wasn't. It was sitting there. It was like getting, it was decaying in front of me. I need to do something with it. So we got an Instagram account right away. We got a face or a, a web, a beautiful website right away. And then I did a whole bunch of marketing messaging. I renamed the property. They had a crappy name. Now I call it the Sea Glass Lookout. We yep. had a very specific sea glass backsplash to match the couch. It's a whole, I had a custom pirate flag of my two kids as cartoon pirates with the colors of the house. I went all in on brand. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And then I started hiring influencers because there's a lot of local travel influencers. Is it North Carolina rental? These local people and they'll charge you. Their rates are stupid low, like hundreds of dollars. So basically you host them for two or three nights. Yeah. They'll charge you about, I don't even know, $500, $600 sometimes just for like drone footage or social Mm -hmm. stories. But they have 80,000 really hyper-specific local and audience that are like super plugged in. Their their rates are super high, like as far as the visibility that their posts and stories get. And so yep. I started basically doing contracts with a whole bunch of influencers. Come stay at my house. Please promote it. And one of them, we had like 60,000 views on the website. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. Okay. All these things are so good. This is literally <laughs> gold for people that are listening that... I'm trying so. to promote individual properties. At one, the website looks great. It's seaglasslookout.com on it mm-hmm. right now. Talk about creating a brand. I mean, uh-huh. obviously, sense you know what you're doing here, but this is amazing and makes sense why you're outperforming the agency. <laughs> one, it's a beautiful home. The, yeah. the interior design and decorations are great, but I think you hit on something with the influencers. The beauty of working with influencers, if you choose the right ones, is that I mean, people. Whether it's an influencer or not, people will go to their friends and family for recommendations 100%. on anything, right? And I, I, in 
companies that I've worked with, one of the most important things that we implement is having a user-generated content strategy and utilizing our guests to get that information, those pictures, those stories. Because for those guests, when they share out that they have stayed somewhere and they loved coming to North Myrtle Beach or they love coming to Scottsdale, wherever they are, and they push that out now to their friends and family, that's how you really start to create a viral effect in marketing. And through influencers, you're able to do that a little bit faster if you're picking the right ones. But I think it's a great strategy. And if you're able to offer something like this where they can come and stay and they're only charging you just for maybe the media assets or the media time literally that they're, while they're there, that's incredible. And yeah. I think having the right expectations up front is an important part of it. I know when I've worked with bloggers in the past, actually, when I or influencers, we worked with Dollywood when I was at Condo World mm. at one point, and they're really big on working with influencers. And I learned so much from their director of PR on how they did this. And she really set me up with a framework of the, this is the document that you send to them. These are the questions. These are the things you want to make sure you have in writing first. You're very clear what you're getting in those deliverables back. And honestly, every single time it went so well. As long as you've got it organized up front, what you get back as your output is excellent. And it's just, it's exciting to see somebody else experiencing your product from that mm -hmm. perspective of they're a marketer, they know what they're doing, but they're also going to come across as very authentic and yeah. realistic in how they're displaying it. So that's yeah. a fun thing, a fun project. Well, and pick your influencers carefully. So for me, the other, so when I got the property, when I bought it, it was like pet friendly, which is like horrible idea. Trashed yeah. it. I think it just also attracted just more of a party crowd. So when I, yeah. even if you go to seeglasslookout.com or if you look at it, any of the language, it, it's like the coastal cure for families. So like yeah. I, a lot of the word choicing was I wanted a different buyer. I wanted a different yeah. mentor type than what mm -hmm. we had historically had, even though it was lucrative. It, it just, they were trashing my place. Yeah. So I would specifically pick influencers who were family influencers where husband and wife and kids are going and the baby's on the beach using my stuff. And so that was also very intentional on my part because you are what you attract, right? Yeah. But can I give your audience some more golden nuggets if you please? Like? Yes. Okay. <laughs> the other thing that I did, so user-generated content, meaning your audience, your renters provide you pictures of your property and then you get to reuse them. So yeah. one of the very first canned messages like on day one that they check in, like you can do canned messages through certain systems. Yep. So yeah. I'll send a message with some really nice words, whatever. And then one of the things I'll say is, P.S. I love it when guests share pictures of the beach with me because it yeah. makes me feel yeah. like I'm there with you. Oh, and so, that makes it feel like you're, Yeah, you're, so they'll send friend. me pictures of yeah. their husbands catching a fish off the pier. Yeah. They'll send pictures like, oh, this was the moon last night. You'll, you would have loved it. For <laughs> and I'm like, I know I would have loved it. Did you see it from, did you take a picture from the hot tub? So we <laughs> have this rapport happening inside of the, I, for me, like I've automated a lot of it for ease, but the sincerity is still true. Like I'm just yeah. really like, and so when they send me the pictures, it's really me messaging them back. But that takes yeah. me seconds versus anything else, right? Yeah. The second thing that I decided to do, and this is, I don't know, maybe because my parents have had an air conditioning business for 33 years. So like I'm a huge proponent of local businesses, but local businesses are a great source of referrals, referral mm -hmm. partners, oh, referral definitely, power yeah. partners. So sometimes what I would do is I become besties with some of the local business owners. There's yep. this woman, Carolina Soap Store. She makes everything by hand, all, the most delicious goat milk soap and creams really and this, right yeah so sometimes what i'll do if i know that a guest is having a wedding or a birthday or whatever 
I will, I'll call her up. We have first name basis. I'm like, I want to buy a gift. I put on the card. She knows. Then I'd say, hey, guest, there's a free gift for you at the store. It's down the street. Go pick it up. Oh, okay. So now I'm sending her foot traffic. I'm sending her my renters to go pick up a gift that I already purchased. And then they're making rapport with her. They always end up buying more because naturally, right? But I do that with a couple of them, the popcorn store, this store. Because the, mm-hmm. the reciprocation is there too. Now she loves me. She loves it when I'm renting. So yep. your local businesses can also be a great source for referrals as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is excellent advice. And for sure, even from vendors that you said air conditioning businesses, yeah. cleaning companies like that, absolutely setting up a nice relationship with them. And it doesn't have to be anything even necessarily formal, just at holidays or every once in a while throughout the year, have lunch sent to their office Mm -hmm. or do something like that just so that they know who you are and they've got a face to it. But that's great, great advice too. I'm curious, how are you just using Airbnb to send these messages to the guests or do you have Mm -hmm. an outside software that you're using? Nope, just Airbnb. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the company you work with is integrated on those. They're seeing those messages. They're seeing all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. How were your bookings this year? I don't, I know they said there was going to be a decline. I have not experienced any decline. I actually have not been able to use my own house as much as I would like to because it's wow. always booked. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And there's a lot of conversation about large companies on Airbnb, our listings being not shown in the search results as mm-hmm. strongly as an individual host. And I think mm-hmm. individual hosts, they do have a, an advantage there, whether or not Airbnb will acknowledge Admit it. it. But I think that is definitely is real. But at the but, same time, but that's, remember, that's, I also have my own website and I have my own Instagram account. So I'm not yeah. putting all of my eggs in the Airbnb front, exactly. like storefront either. Yeah. Yeah. And for the professional host rental companies, that's where it's super important that your competitive edge is that you've got to be you've got to be sending business that is beyond just Verbo and Airbnb because Amen. Veronica is proving she can do it on her own. And mm-hmm. gosh, I remember <laughs> when you and I first met or pretty close to that timeline, when I was first hired at Condo World, it was to build a website, condoworldresorts.com was the URL, that was going to be just about promoting professionally managed vacation rental companies. And this was Roy's a visionary understanding back 2008 or so of knowing this Verbo thing, our VRBO at the time, is a little bit, there's some, there's, we're scared of what, or we're hesitant to know what that's going to change in our business. And that is exactly what was the purpose. Like he mm-hmm. wanted rental companies to really state their value of what they do yeah. beyond what an individual person can go and list their property. And there, there's definitely value. Companies that are doing it well, if they've got a huge book direct audience, they should be getting more than 10% of your bookings. They should be generating the majority of them. And then yeah. you're filling in the gaps with the reservations that that you're you know procuring on your own efforts. But so much has changed within the industry. And I think it's very interesting to get your take on it as sure. a, from a marketer, right? But then also somebody who's gotten into this. And it'll be interesting to keep up with you <laughs> now that we're reconnected and hear how the different things that you learn and can share. It's almost like we're getting to, or talking to you is like getting to, to tap into the brains of the individual host that all of us that work as you know, legacy That's companies <laughs> are a little different. I love it. Veronica, I think we're drawing to an end here. Oh, uh, sad. Love to have you back again. I think this yeah. is a, a great conversation on so many different levels and there's so much sure. more that we can unpack, but 
In the meantime, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to reach out? If you want to stay at my property. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. yeah Seaglasslookout.com. Seaglasslookout.com. And yeah. then if you are a marketer or have a you love in your life who could really use a coach, a guide, a mentor like myself and my team to elevate them, then you go to RaymakerResidency.com. Awesome. And until next time, if anybody wants to contact me or Annie, again, Annie was not able to join today, but she'll be back next week. You can go to alexandanniepodcast.com. And thanks, everybody. Hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time. Bye.